If you're not listening to the Smoke World Podcast, you're wasting your time, you mortal. What's up, folks? Welcome to another episode of Smoke World. I'm your host, Stone. So go grab your stick. Go grab a glass, whatever you're drinking. Let's sit back and have a conversation. You can follow me on Instagram at SmokeWorld50. And I tell you this, folks, every time, send those emails to SmokeWorld50 at gmail.com. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing one of my buddies, my boy, my brother, The Leaf, entrepreneur. He just released a book entitled Destination Success, Eight Mindsets. For hacks for every entrepreneur. Brother Sherm is in the building. Sherm, what's up, my brother? What's up, Stone? Smoke it up, baby. How you feeling, brother? Okay, let's let's start right here. I mean, before we get started, I always do this. Get a little pedigree on the folks I'm talking to. Give us where you from, bro. Uh, born and raised Delaware all my life, 49 years. Uh, I've been doing uh, small business since 1998 when I got out of the Navy. Um, I originally opened a cleaning service and then uh, got back into the hotel restaurant industry, uh, uh, managing a restaurant for, for a small guy. It was like a little corner bar and then started the catering company. And, and uh, you know, that was 13 years ago. Wow. Okay. You're the Navy. Thank you for your service, sir. Appreciate that. Appreciate it. Sorry to hear you. I, I, I see here. You, Go Navy. <laughs> okay. So you're a Delawarean. All right. Now you wrote a book. Now you've been, now you didn't mention, which I maybe didn't mention the catering you got 50 jobs he's a true jamaican he has 20 <laughs> jobs so we're going to kind of start from square one you say you had a cleaning business yeah okay give us a little detail on that because this book is about entrepreneurship sure and you know it's not an easy thing there's pros and cons to this whole thing at the end of the day folks may say oh man this guy's killing it but they don't know what goes on behind the scenes the work that it takes to get to where you're at so give us a little history on that road trip for us so really, uh, I was in the Navy, and uh, one of the guys I was in the Navy with had a uh, small cleaning business with his wife and his cousin. And when I was getting out, I was looking for something to do. Like, I wasn't getting a job, and I wanted to open up my own business. And uh, he was making about 50 grand a year doing it part-time with Janet King. He had a little Janet King franchise down in, in Norfolk. So I looked into it, and I came home, and I was looking to, 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 uh, to open it up, and I... Instead of paying the money for Johnny King, I just kind of like went and started. I bought my own buckets and mops and and started doing some flyers, running up and down 13 Route One in the city, all that kind of stuff. And uh, and it, it took me about two weeks, and I landed uh, one of my customers for the restaurant when I was working in the restaurant before okay. I went in the Navy um, at a salon. It was uh, Michael Christopher's hair salon, and then it, right after that, I got uh, Ursuline Academy, um, and I was cleaning the school between the two. So I started off pretty big, pretty quick. Um, but it was just because of my network of people that I had prior, you know, so these people already knew me. They knew my work ethic. They knew that I would, you know, a man of my word and I would do what I said I did. So, you know, that I had that for like 15 years and that was tough, man. That was tough business. Um, you know, cleaning is a really tough thing because, you know, clean, the word clean is, is really, it's a definition of some, a person. Clean is different for everybody. Yes. You know what I mean? So like. You know, we had people hiding Cheerios under under desks and next to next to next to tables, you know, stuff like that. You know, and then you got to worry, you know, we, you know, then you got to worry about theft and all kinds of other things. It was just rough, and I and my mindset back then, I was just in a little different mindset. I was still militant from the military. Um, I'm actually third generation Navy. So my grandfather was in World War II. My dad was in. Um, it was in Vietnam, and then you know I wasn't in a war, but I you know I joined later. So I had a very militant background, um, and it was really tough for me to assimilate to my staff because I was always told do it right, do it the first time, don't do it again, kind of gotcha. thing. And and that's not really how 99% of the population <laughs> has been trained. <laughs> so it was really tough for me to communicate back and forth. So. Um, how I got out of that is I, I was going through my second divorce and I was in real estate and doing some other things and it was just I was just I was just like angry and I, and I was not happy you know I was making a ton of money but I just I just wasn't happy with what I was doing and and uh, there was a bartender that was uh, working at this little corner corner bar and she asked me for some recipes and the, and the owner wound up eating a couple of my recipes that I gave her they were crock pot recipes so she was just serving it like so guys would come in for lunch because they right. didn't have a kitchen yet so. 
long story long story forward on that is that you know he asked me to come in and I said no a few times and then I swung in we drank a whole bottle of vodka and next thing you know I said yes <laughs> so you know there's always the story of how you got there and Nine, nine, nine out of ten times, my story starts with vodka and cigars. <laughs> okay, now, interestingly, you kind of skipped over a little bit. Now, how did you get into cooking? Like, were you skilled? I mean, was it something that you learned at home? Because you kind of skipped over that, bam, and all of a sudden folks are looking for your food. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I mean, how did that happen? You kind of skipped that. I mean, so, we got a little time to break it down for us. Yeah, no. So, so I've always loved food. Um, and it's kind of that's a kind of ironic story as well, because my dad used to get drunk on the barbecue and burn the shit out of everything. So how I really came about food because I I can't couldn't stand anything he ever cooked. Um, but you know, it was one of those things. Like I always liked entertaining. I always liked you know I I would start and I would create like I always liked to create like a new sandwich. We'd you know um, back when we were in. In uh, high school and middle school, they had that, that brand new panini press that you could buy. Oh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. like a little. So we would put all kinds of shit in there, make sandwiches, and, and we'd always <laughs> like, hey, what's what's the best one we made so far? And I'd always have like eight or ten guys come home from my um, from school. We'd mm-hmm. come to my house and have lunch. Okay. Then we late be late to the sixth period class, and we'd all be in detention together, but we're talking about our lunch and our sandwiches we were making and all kind of stuff. And then you know, then I um I actually. Uh, started working at the farmer's market when I was in college. So my grandfather owned a construction company. So okay. that was supposed to be my legacy. I was supposed to be, that was, that was, so my grandfather did it. My, uh, the, the third uncle took it over and then I was the, the, the grandson that was interested in construction. So I was really supposed to be the, the third legacy, the third generation that actually start doing it. And I did it for a year. Oh, I tried it. Try. I tried it. So when you come, it was too hot in the summer and too cold in the winter, and I was like, "This shit ain't for me." <laughs> so, so I, um, so I, I did that for a year. I was full time with my uncle in the construction company for a year, and then I, uh, and then I, I quit and I went back to school, and I had okay. no idea, like zero, what I wanted to do. So I was just going to school and working at the farmer's market. I, there was a furniture store in there, and uh, my buddy worked at the record store, and he said, hey, this guy's hired for the weekend. So it worked out perfectly because okay. I go to store, school during the week and right. work on the weekends, make some money, and uh, just pick up stuff, put stuff down. There was no skill involved. It was just, you know, pick the couch up, put, it in, put, put it in a pickup truck. Okay, great. You know, I didn't have to think about none. I didn't sell anything. I wasn't talking to customers except for here's your slip, here's what you need out there, that kind of thing. It was real simple and easy, and that's really what I wanted, okay. just, just to make a little bit of money so I could get through school, figure out what I wanted to do. And every Saturday I would sit next, um, right next to the furniture store was a seafood place, and I would mm-hmm. go over there and have lunch. And uh, believe it or not, being in Delaware, you think I was really, uh, my palate in seafood would have been huge, but it wasn't. I knew crab cakes, shrimp, and flounder. And that's pretty much all I knew. Because that's, like that's, right right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my, that's what, right. Because that's what, you know, my parents and you know, my grandfather used to fish for flounder all the time. Okay. And that kind of thing. So they were the seafoods we ate. I didn't know much of a, a lot of things. So I would go down and I would just put my finger on a on an item on the menu and I go alright I'm going to try this for lunch today and I would go through the menu a little bit and one of the two brothers that owned the place Mark had said Mark like kind of like saw me and he saw me hustling over there and they were getting ready to expand their restaurant okay. um, it was just a little spot and then they took they moved down to the new part of the um, farmer's market when they had ex- uh, expanded all the way down closer to where the flea market is and they had a huge restaurant it had like I think 60 seats in it originally they only had like 12 and this went to like 60 or 70 seats okay so he, he one uh, one weekend he's like hey uh, you know we're looking to hire some people and you know I think you'd be great for this job and I was like dude I know nothing about food except for eating it <laughs> as he's giggling like you're giggling he goes, he goes well at least you're honest about yeah, it and right. I go look yeah, that's, that's I mean I can make I make I can make some good sandwiches I know how to do it but I don't know you're how to do jelly. anything else before that you know what I mean? he's like don't worry about it I'll teach you and I, I was like I don't know man I don't really you know I really didn't want any anything that was like not necessarily thinking involved. I just right. I just wanted to come to work and do my thing right. and go. I didn't I didn't want to, you know to be any moving parts. Not the demand. Yeah. So his uh, his niece was there. She was I think she was like fourteen and she was waiting on the tables. So like two or three times he kept pre- he kept putting the pressure on me. So the third time he calls his niece over and he goes, "Tell him how much you make on a weekend." And, and at this time now we're talking. This is ninety okay. ninety one. So. Um, she was like, "Oh, I make like three, three fifty, four hundred dollars," and I'm like, "What?" Because uh, uh, you know, I was getting yeah. ten bucks an hour exactly. for like twenty five, thirty hours, picking shit up and putting shit down. And I'm like, "She's fourteen years old, waiting yeah. on the tables, and she's making three hundred. 
I was like, I can make. I mean, there's no. I can make more. I mean, there's no. way. I'm just looking at it like right. it had nothing to do with anything other than she was just younger than me. Right. And I was like, there's. I could hustle more than that. I mean, I know that I can out hustle. <laughs> so I was like, all right, man. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna give it. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give it a try. Okay. You know, I'm gonna give it a try. You said, you, I, and it's all on you because you. I told you, I don't know shit about this. Right. So if I'm not good at it, I don't hear any don't bullshit from you. Like <laughs> I already told you. So he's like, no, no, I got you, man. You're, you're. I can't teach what you have. Mm-hmm. And I, he's like, you know, you're a great hustler. You're really smart. You know, and 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 you have a good personality. And that's I can't teach that. That's I can true. teach you how to cook. I can teach you how to serve. I can teach you how to ring things up. But I can't teach that other stuff. And you have it. And I was that's like, true. all right. So I, he's like, <laughs> the funniest of this story is that I was like, well, look, I got to give two weeks notice. It's just who I am. And he goes, yeah, as soon as you tell him you're coming to work for me, he's going to fire you. And I said, well, look, if that's what he does, that's his business. Right. But right. I'm giving him two weeks notice. So uh, Sunday after after my shift, I walked up to the guy and I said, hey, look, I'm, you know, I'm going to try out this other opportunity. You guys have been great. I really appreciate everything you've done for me. I'm, gonna, I'm giving you two weeks notice. You know, and then and then I'm gonna try this other thing out. And I and I obviously to his to his knowledge that he gave me, I didn't really want to tell him where I was going because I, I didn't want it to be hard feelings. Because right. there was no hard feelings. But between the two of them there were. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like and and of course I'm not a liar either. So he's like, So, you know, you mind asking me, you know, where you're going? And I was like, Well, um, Kind of, uh, and he goes, well, "What do you mean?" I go, "I was like, well, I was told if I tell you where I'm going, you're going to fire me right now, and I don't, I don't really want to be that to be the end of this relationship. You have been really good to me. Right. You gave me a job. I worked really hard for you. You know, whatever you wanted, I did it, and I just don't want us to end on bad terms. In case this doesn't work out, I'd like to come back. You know, if you needed somebody, keep the door. yeah, to keep the door open. He's like, you're going to Alex's, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, uh, y- yeah. And he goes, you're right. And he was like, fuck that guy. You're fucking fired, too. I was really? Like, I was like, wow, man, seriously? So he, really did that. he really knows you. And he goes, he goes, that son of a bitch, he's always stealing my goddamn employees. And I go, he didn't steal your employee. I just looking for. I mean, this is part time, man. And he's like, I don't get. And he started, you know, going on a rant. Apparently, there's some bad blood between these Obviously two guys. So. You think? But yeah, well, you know, I was only 18 yeah. or 19. Man, what the yeah. hell I know? You remember that, don't so, you? So yeah, oh, I remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. But uh, and and I'm, I don't have any hard feelings. I mean, you know, I did the right thing. Right. He made the decision as an owner that he had to make, and that's fine. So I mean, he that's, really that's, fired you that day. Yeah, he really he said, okay, well, today's your last day, and I'm like, okay. No problem. Damn. So then I, you know, so then I went back the next weekend, and I'm, I'm on Friday now. I'm at the counter, and he right. goes, he goes, he fired you, didn't you? And I go, why yeah. wasn't I sitting there? <laughs> he goes, he goes, all right, well, we get started next week. You can just start next week during the week, you know, mm. if you want to. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll give you a call. So, long story short, is I was there for about two years. Okay. And uh, I did everything. I helped them. You know, I started out obviously waiting tables, and then I, I started started. Um, I helped them on the front counter selling retail out of the front counter, and then I would help them bread and and, and uh, make all their sauce, their all their uh, soups and kinds of stuff like that. I didn't really cook too much there, because okay. um, they they had a, a really good crew at the time back then. So, but I would help out. Like I would chop stuff up. You know, I would prep for them when they gotcha. needed stuff. Um, but then. Um, then I started college, and then when I did that, I was like, "Man, I really love this." So let me let me look at the degree. What like what degree can I get while I'm doing this? So I switched to uh, HRM, which is Hotel Restaurant Management degree at Dell Tech. And uh, when I was there in the cafeteria, this other guy comes out, and a real tall dude, and uh, always kind of like a sharp dresser when we were there. You know, I was a clown. I always had jeans on and a t-shirt or something, and uh, I always had money, but I was a clown. And uh, I know it's tough to believe, but. Uh, he comes up to me and he goes, he goes, he goes, I was like, I heard you're a server. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, I was like, I, you know, I, I serve at the farmer's market. And he's, he started laughing. He goes, he's over there with all them, with all them fleas, huh? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude, I make some pretty good money over right. there. I was like, I make about 500 in a weekend. Mm. He goes, well, that's funny because I make $1,000 working four shifts. And I was like, what? Mm. I was like, what? Huh? So he's like, yeah. He goes, in the place I'm, the place I'm working at. It's looking for servers. And I was like, he's like, but I don't know if they're going to hire you because normally it's like there's an attrition of you have to have certain things on your resume to like okay. get into these higher end places. And this at the time was like a four-star Italian restaurant. 
So there was normally like a, a different type of route you would take. Uh-huh, okay. But we're gonna fast forward it. I went from the from the shit house to the penthouse. <laughs> <laughs> there was no route I took. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah. went in and interviewed. So, uh, so I interviewed, and the uh, there is a husband and a wife, and the wife was a professional ballroom dancer. Oh, and her and their, their silent partner was was the guy that owned the ballroom dancing, uh, um, the old Crystal Ballroom, on okay, Philadelphia okay. Pike. So, so we're sitting there interviewing, and, and she took a liking to me, and he didn't like the fact that I wasn't polished, like I, I hadn't done the normal gauntlet. And uh, it was funny. Um, we get all through it, and uh, and I was like, you know, I was like, look, I really appreciate your time. I get it. I'm not your traditional, you know, come from here to in. I, I didn't go work at Columbus Inn. I didn't work right, at Positano's. I didn't, I didn't work down at the Wiss. Right. You know, I didn't, I didn't do all the normal things to get here. I said, but here's what I'm going to tell you. You hire me, and I swear that I will outwork every single person you have working here. I said, by six months into it, I'll be running this joint. And he, like, looked at me and he goes, wow, you're pretty confident. I said, I'm not confident. I said, you call my boss. Where I'm working right now, mm-hmm. I had zero experience in the restaurant business, and I promise you, because I told him I'm coming on this interview, and, and, I, and I'm honest with everybody, like I didn't want to just leave him hanging because I am a pretty integral part of what he does because I'm really strong at what I do, and I right. can take a lot of tables and do a lot of things. I said, but I'm doing this because it's less work, and I'm going to make a little more money, and that's that's what I'm looking to do is just try to bring the amount of time that I work in a week down plus going to school full time. You know, so I'm trying to get the best ROI on my time, and uh, yeah, and I didn't say that back then because I didn't really know much about ROI. But you know, I'm telling you now, as an experienced you know, person, um, and uh, he goes, you know what? I'm going to hire you just because you because I'm going to make sure you don't do that. You're not going to succeed. And I was like, I'm up for it, brother. I mean, I was like. Bring it on. I was like, you cannot be any worse than my father. I was like, so you bring it on. So uh, he's like, all right. I said, and again, I got to give these guys two weeks notice. So, you know, it's going to be two weeks before I can start. They are not going to let me go. Like, they're not firing me. Right. Like, they need me. I'm going to make sure I'm going to, you know, they're going to hire somebody. I'm going to train my replacement. I'm going to make sure they're ready to go before I leave. I said, and then after that, I'll be here. And if so, if I can come here early, great. If I can't, I will be here on the two weeks, and I might be working down there still to make sure that they're that I don't leave them, you know, any worse than I than I came. And he's like, he goes, well, I respect that. I said, well, that, you're never. That's how I'm always going to be. I'm not going to leave you without giving you proper time and notice to right. to find somebody. So, so I start there, and needless to say, <clears throat> it was it was a rough transition. But that's how I got the nickname Shirt. So really, yeah, because okay. they would uh they would go back there and um and so I was really like one of the youngest people that worked there. So I was nineteen at like nineteen slash twenty at the time, and uh, they uh all these guys were all old salt dogs, man. They they had been doing this for for twenty years. Like the major D had been in the restaurant industry for twenty years, and uh, and the chef he had been. You know, they, so basically, these guys hop around and hop around and hop around gotcha. to get the next position or the next job or the next amount next of money. Level. Yeah, where where they're actually you know running their own place kind of thing. Even though it's not theirs, mm-hmm. but it's their kitchen. They have full full reign on what they can do and that kind of stuff. So this guy, man, and the two of them were just they just drank and they drank all the time. You know what I mean? It was, well, well, you know, yeah, we yeah, yeah. yeah. Stitches get so, stitches. Yeah. <laughs> I was just say by the end of the shift that things got exciting. <laughs> so, so in the midst of the shift, like, so they're back there and I'm watching it. Like, like when we're slow, we only have one or two tables. I can come back. So I'm sitting in the kitchen and I'm watching them saute. I'm watching them prepare and I'm watching them do all this stuff. And then I would go home and try it. Oh, okay. I would try to do it. You know what I mean? Like try to see if I could, I could figure it out. You know what I mean? So I would ask a ton of questions. Nonstop. What did the one chef man when he at the end closer to the shift where he get irritated because he had maybe one too many uh, Russian Russian <laughs> Russian ladies <laughs> we'll say <laughs> he he get real irritated and because I'm asking a lot of questions right. like, you should be asking me all these questions you shut up and serve the food yeah, just yeah, just, 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 just shut just, up and serve the food yeah stay got it so so I'm put I put up the ticket and I was like order and ding and that's what we did and uh, he's like all right Sherman and I was like whatever and I kept so my real given name is Michael so I've always had a nickname gotcha. you know because I was one of those kids you know what I mean like right, right. always always charismatic always a fool always doing something stupid <laughs> they gave me a nickname you know what I mean so there was other people who were Michael and, 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 and then I so so we're getting through it okay. so about a month goes by and one of the servers like dude don't you want to know why they call you Sherman <laughs> I said let me tell you my story 
I came from the farmer's market. I'm making $1,000 a week in cash working here, right? You think he can call me Dumbo for all I care? I don't give a damn what he costs me as long as I keep making this money because this is the most money I've ever made. And, and I'm able to go to school, have have a day, I have, you know, Sunday off, okay. you know, so I have a little bit of a weekend, you know, and then I get a day or two in a week where I have off and I don't have to okay. worry about it after school. So I'm really getting the best of yeah. everything right now. I said, I don't give a damn what he calls me. As long as he puts my food out and I get them tips, I don't give a damn. So we're sitting there and we're folding napkins before the shift and he goes, yo, man, he's calling you Sherman from Sherman and Peabody. And I'm like, oh, what? Wow. So now that cartoon yeah. was right at the cusp of me. Like it, it was, like it kind of was running out as as I was a kid. Yeah. So I only I knew it, but I didn't really know it. Right. So my question to him was, is that the dog or the kid? <laughs> That's all I wanted to know. And he goes, No, no, no. Sherman's the kid. I go, Okay, I'm good. I'm good then. <laughs> I can work with that. I can work with that. I'm proud with that. So. It went the full gamut. Like, I was like Beauchamp, Beauchamp. I was all this stuff. You know, this is the 90s now. Right? So we had, you had, you know, you had uh, uh, all kinds of things. So then it just got shortened into Sherm. And, that, and that's kind of how it stuck. So then, obviously, I, you know, fast forward, I joined, in, you know, things were really crazy. I was I was burning the candle at nine ends. Not not both ends, nine ends. I had lighters and candles burning everywhere. But, you know, I was just, you know, running hard. I was young. I had a... My son was two or three, almost four years old at this point. And, you know, I, I, I looked and contemplated, and I'm going, I'm going nowhere fast. I was like, and I, and I looked up, and I looked at all these guys that this is all they did, man. They waited on tables. Right. They made really good money, and then they drank. And they just drank themselves to death all night. Some of them did drugs. Some of them did alcohol, whatever it was. And I was like, is this really what I want to do right. for my kid? You know what I mean? Like, right. it's bad enough that I'm a single father. You know, we, we split time between his mom and I. We were both, you know, took care of our kids. Yeah, yeah but, I mean, it's like, I, I have this kid, and this is really the example I want to be setting for him. You know what I mean? So that's when I decided to join the Navy, and then all I did was drink even more in the Navy. <laughs> I went from the, the frying pan to the fryer. <laughs> we were professional drinkers. That shit pulls in at 7 in the morning, you're drinking. You're at a bar. It's not like after a shift. It's right, not no, no, no. 8 or 9 o'clock like the rest the of us. You know, this is like, we pull in at 7 in the morning, you're drinking by 7.45. You know, so, so uh, you know, and then that's when I married my youngest son's mother, and we had all that stuff, and, you know, I had a full family unit, that kind of thing, and it was just, you know, that, that's kind of like the transition that I got out, and, and I, you know, I really didn't want to get back into the restaurant. It was just hard. It's okay. hard work. You know what I mean? Being in a restaurant, it's seven days a week. It's, you know, 18 hours a day. It's just, it was just really hard. And, and that's why, so that's why I, I transitioned and moved towards the cleaning business. Cause it's, okay. it's not that it's not hard work, but it's just, you're not dealing with alcohol. You're not dealing with drunk people all the time. You're not dealing with that kind of stuff. Like you're just, you go to work, you do that kind of job and then you can come home and separate right. from it. Gotcha. You know, you're not. You're not at the bar where now four or five people that you waited on now buy a shot. The next, you know, it's three in the morning because now you're drinking with them. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, so that, that's cleaning is not a hazard. You know, what I mean? <laughs> um, there's no hazard really to the duty. You know, like, because now we're cleaning is. and now you know. <laughs> but but yeah, so that that's kind of how it, it, I didn't transition right back into the food, and that and that's kind of the background of, of what I did. But. It just, you know, the food bug is, it's in you. You know what I mean? Like, it's like anything else. Like, you know, it, it was, the food bug was in me. And um, as soon as I, I started doing it, it was it was just natural for me to get back. And then a lot of the industry heard that I was doing it and it just helped. You know, I got a couple doors open because they knew who I was, knew I was doing it back in the 90s. Now I'm doing it in the early thousands. Right. And, you know, it just one thing led to another. And, and I got some really good opportunities. So, you know, that's kind of how it worked. But Did you ever have a restaurant or was this? No. Okay. So people just knew you cook good food. Yeah, and, and then I and I and I just marketed. I I was already branded, which was the best part. I didn't have to come up with a name, a fictitious name, you know, of a restaurant, um, that kind of thing. So I, I had Sherm's. I just like you know, Sherm's catering is natural. Like it is what it is. You know, everybody knew me as Sherm right. in that industry, so it was easy to go right back to being Sherm. You know, from Michael Porter. So now, out of curiosity, remember your first big gig as a caterer? Now you're doing this, and you're thinking so like, oh man, it you know, depends calls, you say, on. Hey, what? guess what, Sherm? <laughs> We got a wedding. We got a bar. Uh, whatever. A yeah, so, reunion. No. So the so the first big gig was my ex wife and her. So my ex when I was still in the real estate and cleaning business, my um, ex wife wanted to be a wedding planner. 
So I sent her to school to, to get her credentials, and I helped her out, and I gave her some – most of my friends are still, were still in the business. So okay. I gave her some contacts to get into, like, some of the hotels that did weddings so that she could get referrals when they needed a wedding planner. So the, her first client was a, uh, a, a, a young couple, um, and uh, they were from uh, – they both had divorced parents, mm. and it was a really crazy situation with money. And uh, so they would come to the house and they would be talking about things and they were really trying to have like a traditional wedding, but they couldn't afford it. Gotcha. You know, the, the budget was limited because they had to pay for most of it. The, their parents were helping a little bit, but it was kind of like a tug of war about who was going to pay for what and how much they were going to pay. And, you know, they weren't trying to one up. They were trying to one down each other. Okay, gotcha. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. So um, long story short is I would always put out some food, you know, when they mm-hmm. came and I would sit and help her with like my end of the questions because I really knew a lot about the the, you know, the restaurant part of it, the catering part. You know, I had worked for Harry, so we used to do banquets upstairs. So I, gotcha. I was really, you know, well-versed. Yeah. So I could help her through some questions when they had questions about things that she didn't learn about being a, uh, a wedding planner. So I would sit there, and I, you know, and so I was in the kitchen the one time, and I heard them whispering. And I, and it, and I, was, I walked out and go, I'm not catering your wedding. <laughs> and they're like, you heard us? And I was like, yeah, heard yeah I heard all of it. And I was like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely honored that you love my food. I was like, but I haven't done this in almost 15 years. I said, and, and I don't want to come back and ruin your wedding. You know, I mean? I really, that's not how I want to start. Right. Like, if I'm going to get back into this, I, I'd, I'd like to step into it versus doing a wedding. Well, not only did I do their wedding, I did their rehearsal dinner the night before in their, oh, wow. in their, okay. in their parents' house. So I had two days of excruciating prepping food. Um, it was at the, uh, the, the mill behind um, uh, Troop 6 on Kirkwood Highway. There's yep. that little mill right there. So we went out. We did the walkthrough. The kitchen had an oven and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right. And we had it all set up and planned. And uh, I was using my home personal um, oven to do everything. Now, did you have help? Or that, you I did. So, okay. I, I, um, so a, a couple, uh, two of the girls that worked for me in my cleaning business used to work for like uh, little um, sandwich shops, like in the Chase building, they had okay. that little commissary. Yeah. So they had some experience with it, and then they had a couple of their kids and some friends that had served before, so I grabbed all that. So we're all doing this, you know. We're all like haphazardly doing all this. So, um, so everything pretty much runs without any kind of there was one little hiccup the night before on uh, the rehearsal dinner, and I was like, "Wow, I think I got this." You know what I mean? All right, I can do this. so yeah, I think I think we're I think we're actually going to do this. There's probably going to be no issues. So we get there to, the, the day of, and I'm taking all the bar supplies for the bartender that was there, and then uh, I got all my stuff up, and we got it all set up, and and, and I'm like, we're, "We're like halfway there already." So we get there for drop off the first food, and there's a uh, there's no oven in the kitchen. Whoa. They had had a fire at the mill, and their insurance company wow. made them take the oven out of the kitchen. Okay, this is going to get now, good. Now, you think that, they, <laughs> you think that maybe somebody, somebody would that. mention that. I mean, it, hey. it's just a minor detail. I mean, hey. you know, hey. there's no more oven in the, <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> so um, I'm getting ready to put all you know all this food in to finish off. Right. And I'm like, Where, where's the – so this, this guy, man, he must have been 65. He was like the guy on, on site, you know, for the mill. Right. He comes out, and, 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 he, and I'm like – Hey, hey, come here. And he's like, all right. He comes in the kitchen. I go, where's the oven? And he goes, oh, we took that out like five months ago. Wow. And I'm like, what? I was like, I was here for a walkthrough. The oven was here. He's like, yeah, well, we had a fire. And the insurance company told us we had to take take the, the oven out. And and I was like, and you guys didn't mention, the, like, yeah. mention that to anybody? Like maybe call and tell somebody that kind of stuff? He goes, well, I don't know about that stuff, man. I go, so, and so at this point, my blood pressure started getting kind of kind of so. high. Yeah. Yeah, so he basically ran into his office locked the door. <laughs> We didn't see him the rest of the yeah, night. I appreciate sure you did. So I called that the uh, I called that the Kirkwood Highway wedding because I, all I did was I I, I had all the servers there. Right. So I, I um, we had food ready to go, and then I had other food to put in to finish off because right. you stage it basically gotcha. when you're going to cook on site. You have some food ready to go right off the bat, okay. and you have other food. It's like you're cooking from beginning to end, and then there's some that only needs like maybe an hour. So you just keep stepping stepping okay. the food in okay. so that it's done and it's fresh right there in that. So basically, what I did is I had to take all that, all the food that wasn't cooked, back to my kitchen, start wow. cooking it, and then I would cook it until it was ready to go, and then I would drive it to drive it to the mill and go back. So I lived on A Street. I was about to say, I'm, yeah, okay. I, I lived on A Street right, right uh, okay. next to the West End. So I, I would go, you know, back and forth. Mm. So they didn't see me all night. So. I get done. I get done with the dinner service. Everybody is raving about the food, raving about the service. Meanwhile, my feet are like on fire. They are like burning. 
so I'm sitting on the there's a little um, stone uh, little stone wall that's right out in front and I'm sitting there and I have my feet out and I'm drinking a vodka and cranberry and I'm like and then Brian Crew come up to me and give you this big hug she starts crying and I'm like is everything good she's like, oh my god it's way better than we ever expected it to be you did a great and amazing job no, no, she goes but it looks like there's something wrong and I said here's what I'm going to tell you you go enjoy your you go enjoy your um, honeymoon and when you get back we'll tell you about all the stories and she's what I'm like don't worry about it right now all that matters is you and your guests are all happy right. that's what matters I told you I didn't want to ruin your wedding right. and we didn't ruin your wedding so I'm good I'm good everything's great we'll figure it out next time but we're good now so that was my first wow. ever mm. wedding in 2008. That's like a nightmare. It was, but yeah. you pulled it off. But, but, you know, because I love misery so much, I didn't say, you know what, maybe this is a sign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <just> <laughs> nah, I didn't. Nah. <laughs> so three months later, I dove any deeper. <laughs> so, so everybody, like, this is a lesson about, about being a business owner is that you're always throwing curves. Like, you have to understand that nothing is always going to go as planned or nothing is ever going to be perfect. And you have to learn to work on your feet, learn to understand you can't get crazy. Like, you know, I could have just thrown a fit and be like, fuck it, it's done. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't doing this I shit. Know. Fuck you. It's you, over. They ain't telling me the other one. Yeah, yeah, that's not my fault. It's not my know? bad. But I just worked it out. You know, I worked it out. I made it work for them. I made it work for their customers, and I waited it work for me. So it, was a, it, was, it wasn't the most optimal experience for my first experience, but... It taught me a lot of lessons right out, right out the gate. Like, you know, you have to make sure you have a backup plan. Yeah. You have to make sure that you have a backup plan for the backup plan just in case because things happen. So that's, you know, wow. that's a huge lesson, you know, to be to be learned right in the beginning. But, yeah, I, you know, and then uh, then I got the contract for the uh, Newcastle County Government Center, and I okay. was uh, running their cafeteria up there. And then from there, the city of Wilmington interviewed me at the Newcastle County Government Center. They came in and had lunch. <laughs> we I always thought, I'm like, is there cameras around? Like, yeah, is this, this going to be on a TV show that I don't know about? <laughs> Every time yeah. pulling me from another location. Yeah, yeah. So it was, so how know, many years has it been now that you've been doing? 13. It's 13. Oh, wow. That's what's up, yeah. I'll start my 14th year in June. So, you Beautiful. know, it's, it's all, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's good. And, and I wouldn't have it any other way. It, you know, it's just taught me a lot. You know, you learn how to, uh, you know, with staff and coaching staff and, and employees and setting up, you know, rules, you know, like my contract. I mean, and I, what I was charging back then was ridiculously like it, they could, nobody could ever get prices like that I was giving. But I had different situations where my costs were different and weddings in the beginning were just side it was side jobs. They weren't really the bulk of our business you know so i was able to you know i would just all i had really to do was hire servers i already had the kitchen stuff done and i would go out and i would be the kitchen person with all the kitchen things and then i just needed servers to serve and clear and set up and that kind of thing so you know now it's different i have you know i have a vp of operations she runs the business every day i got a kitchen manager and we got eight people in the kitchen full-time you know we got anywhere from five to 25 servers given given the events you know kind of thing so you you, you just learn to evolve. You learn to create your systems. You learn to, to you know, to do all that stuff. And and like you said, you know, when you started out, that everybody thinks that this, like Sherm's just, you know, he's just successful. Well, yeah, the backstory. Um, you don't know. So there's a picture that you guys can Google, and it says success, and it's an iceberg. You know, and you see the little tip at the top of the iceberg, and then you see the bottom part of the iceberg, mm-hmm. and and that's all the work. That's all the problems. Right. That's all the lessons you learn. And then, and then what happens is once once it floats up and everybody sees just the top, like you're successful. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you have no idea. I am. I have yeah, no idea. Yeah. What I had to and, go through to get right, to this Right. And, and you know, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you want to, you know, start a car dealing, a car car deal, the detailing, or if it's going to be a cleaning service, or you're going to be a carpenter or a plumber, or you know, you're going to buy a franchise. You still got to learn. Yes. You still got to learn all that stuff. You know, and it's and buying a franchise is no joke man because they don't they don't veer you gotta you gotta do their their book it's you know it's like being an employee you know because you've got to do it their way because that's how it is that's what you're buying you're buying the system of what success and you know sometimes that's good for people in the beginning it wasn't good for me like i didn't i didn't want somebody telling me what to do but then i learned a lot of hard lessons you know, a lot of a lot of life hard lessons I learned by not following somebody else's successful system. <laughs> well, okay, that dives into now we're gonna to touch bases again. Congratulations on the book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Destination success. What inspired you to write this book? So probably for the past five or six years, I've been uh, between my inner workings with the chamber and my community, um, helping 
you know, uh, I, I've, I've been over and, and uh, spoke at the Horn Program at University of Delaware, which is their entrepreneur program, um, the Ch- Newcastle County Chamber. I've been a, a huge active member there for probably almost 12 years now. Um, I'm on the board of directors, and I, I've been helping people. Like, they always come right. to me because they see how hard I work, and they see how successful I am, right. which equals to them, this is probably the guy I should talk to. So I've been helping a lot of people, you know, um, with whatever their situation was at the time, like, hey, did you think about doing this? Or how about look doing that? And 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 it and it dawned on me, like, hey, you know, there's a lot of successful people out there that sell this information, you yes. know, and and help people by by coaching them and mentoring them. And I was like, you know, and I had mentored quite a few people, you know, in a in a limited capacity, um, with what they were doing, and and then when they had problems, they would call me and I would help them. Um, but I figured, you know what? If I'm going to start really doing this coaching thing as a as a profession, I really need to 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 have some credentials and have some things behind me to say, hey, this is a guy I should talk to. So, um, about eight years ago, I hired a national small business coach, and he really wanted me to write a book and get on stage and speak because okay. he liked my story too. Like everybody loves my story because it's not the traditional like, you know, I open up the doors and everything was great. Right. Like there was a lot a lot of things you hit. A lot, a lot of lessons learned. <clears throat> and he said that would sell and it would sell great. So just recently with my new coach, um, you know, I had been telling him, hey, I'd really been trying to do this book and, and uh, my other buddy Kareem you know, to Kareem Williams mm-hmm. up at a cigar. He had written his book about three years ago, and I, say, and I told him the same thing. I'm like, man, I really, I really think that I should do this, but I, I'm just so English to me and grammar and all that kind of stuff is like, like I like English is a third language for me. You know what I mean? Like, for most of us, I think. Well, you know, like, <laughs> let's keep it real. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you know, and I'm like, you know, I barely got through high school in English, and I and I struggled in college with English, and I'm like, and now my dumbass is going to write a book. I was like, isn't that some shit right there? It's the lamest book. So right, so it, I guess it was it was a little bit of fear, and it was a little bit of knowing that I, I'm not successful in that area. They kind of held me back for the longest time, and then. Kareem got me started. He's like, look, just go with an outline. You know, I, I, so I paid him to be my coach to write my book, help okay. me write my book. And uh, we got started with the outline, and I just I just fumbled a lot, man. I would get on that computer, and I would freeze. Like, I had all this stuff in my head, and I just couldn't get it in on the right computer. I couldn't just, like, couldn't get it out. And, like, I'd be in the shower, and I'd have all these ideas, and I'm like, where's the microphone? Where, where can I read <laughs> So about nine months ago... Um, Mike Warmer and I started a podcast, and uh, and we, we started just having a conversation like you and I are about you know help you know we, he, he would just you know ask me some questions about things and business and and all that kind of stuff and I was like so like five or six into it I go you know this is it like this is how I'm going to write this book I'm going to take the information because I can free flow this stuff all day I can sit right. here and talk to people about business systems strategy coaching leadership all that all day I can speak about it all day. Right. But when, when, when you get to the putting it into my, my, the pen in my hand and put it on the paper, there's some kind of disconnect, like somebody chopped my arm off. You know what I mean? Like it's like all of a sudden, like, duh. You know, like some people, when they get on stage and you put a microphone on right. front of them and they, they freeze. freeze. They're the best singer you've ever met in their entire life. But when they stand on that stage and look out and see all them people and see that, that little black thing sitting there going, uh, you know what I mean? Like, so. Are you looking for a new platform to connect with other cigar smokers? consumers, lounges, and brands while escaping tobacco-related rules of other social media platforms. Then look no further. Stogie Lives, the new social media platform for cigar lovers created by a female. So come join Stogie Lives. S-T-O-G-I-E-L-I-V-E-S dot com where every cigar lover has a place to connect. I said, this is how I'm going to do it. So we started, we took the podcast. I got his permission because, you know, both of us are doing it together. Right. I said, hey, look, this is what I want to do. Let's keep talking about these things, and I'm going to take this information. And then I used a company. It's called Rev. Um, and what they did is they dictated our, our podcast out, okay. and then I gave it to Kareem, and he kind of put it in little, literature terms. Okay. And then I, re, all I had to do was revamp it. I had to kind of, like, really hone it into me, right. add some stories in there. Gotcha. And, um and then I hired, and then when we got almost way to the end, then I hired a professional proofreader. 
Um, okay. She does a lot of stuff for celebrities and um, professional athletes that are writing books and okay. autobiographies. So I hired her to read through it because Kareem knew me, Mike knows me. Mm-hmm. I had uh, James help me proofread. Okay. So they all know me. Gotcha. You know what I mean? But So this person, this person that I hired, she doesn't know me. So I said, hey, read this. Does this make sense to you? So, like, because you're going to be the average person reading right. this that doesn't really know me. You know, like, Absolutely. all these other guys know what I've been through. Right. They know the story They know bit. the story, you know, more than most. So they can fill in the blanks that, that a normal reader couldn't. So she came back and she had some... Uh, she had some some questions about things, and we filled in some more stuff, and then and then uh, then we got it all the way done. We proofread to make sure you know there was any, there was any problems with grammar, punctuation, all that stuff, and then uh, and then we we popped it up, and then uh, Kareem put it on uh, put it on Amazon, and then we published, man, and that was it. It took about it took nine months. It, it was wow, a month okay. over my coaches my my business coaches goal to get it done by February. We basically got it done in March, so okay, it was great. Up. So yeah, so it's it's been a, a long run and. To, to really answer your story is that this book, this book isn't here for me to make money. I, it's it's ten bucks, man. It's nothing. I could, I, you know, you could go and find these books from anywhere from six bucks to fifty bucks. Right. You know, I mean, this book I made it ten bucks for a reason. It's ten bucks because I want you to read it. I want, I want if you're if you're thinking about being a, a, a small business owner, or thinking about branching out from your regular day job into this, I want you to read this first. There's, there's, after every chapter, some lines in there to take notes. Okay. So that, you know, if you don't understand something or you have questions about something, put it in there. You know what I mean? And that way you can question yourself about it. It's a quick read. It's only like 110 pages. You should be able to do it. And, you know, I'm not a reader. And I, and I, and I read it in like two days. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So the average person can probably read it in two or three hours. It reads. You know what I mean? Like, because, you know what I mean? I'm not a reader. I do all my books in Audible. Every book that I read for, for me and coaching, it's right. all Audible stuff because I just I can't concentrate on reading long enough to well, actually read a whole you book. You're in a room, brother. So yeah, well, it's a, but still, it's a, it's a concentration thing. I mean, like, I can't sit and just read. It's not, gotcha. it's not entertaining for me. Gotcha. You know, but I can, I can listen all day. You know, I can listen to what people have to say, and I can, oh, and then I'll take notes. Like, I write okay. stuff on all kinds of, I mean, I got, I got, I got probably, in my book bag, I probably has five notebooks. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm horrible when it comes to organization of notes. But, because um, I'll, I'll grab a book, and I start writing things down, and I throw that in there, too. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. But the point is, is I want to help people that are either struggling and don't understand why you're struggling, because everybody struggles. You know, I yes. had, I had the pleasure of having a few really good Friends that own businesses that were mentors to me, and then I had the 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 ability to have a few people that weren't good mentors that taught me lessons as well. You know, so you, you learn from both sides. It's not always just the successful way to teach. Us. Sometimes it's the people that, that think they're the successful and they're really not that teach you as well. Because you have to grasp things in order to, to, to know what fits with you and what doesn't. And some people, this book's not going to resonate with them. But the people, I mean, I've already helped two or three people that have, like, sent me emails like, man, that was really awesome. You know, you know, my dad said the th- same thing or, or this happened to me too and okay. that kind of thing. So the point is, if I could just help a few people through some of the struggles that I had that maybe didn't become an entrepreneur or start a business traditionally, you know, in a traditional method. Right. You know, like, here's, here's some reasons here's some answers to why you're struggling the way you're struggling and i picked i I try i made it small on purpose because i didn't want this to be an overwhelming thing that somebody wouldn't read you know they wouldn't get all the way through you know i wanted people to read all the way through so that they got all the information you know i could i could make each chapter into a book you know what i mean like with stories and and lessons and that kind of thing but I wanted to put the important things right, down right and get right to the point about it. Like, here's how you're gonna, here's what you need to do, here's how you have to do it, and here's why you need to do it, kind of thing. And hopefully, you know, I, I tell everybody, you should get something out of one of the chapters that are gonna help you. And it, you don't have to be small business or entrepreneur to learn something for this, because in your everyday life, if you work for someone, you need to learn to be a better, a better student and a better coach. Because as you go up and you're a supervisor, everybody talks about. You know, I, I hated that manager, or I hated because of this, that, and the other. Well, when you learn to be a better student, you're going to be a learn to be a better coach, you know, as well. So it's it's all part of that, and, and it might help. You know, like I'm not setting goals in my day to day life. Well, that's why you're not getting the shit you want. If you yeah. don't set a goal, you're not going to get it. Yeah, if you just pretend that it's co- going to come to you, that's bullshit. Yeah, nothing comes to you. No, we, we we're not we're not entitled to shit. 
you got to go out and get it. You yes. know what I mean? And everybody that's got it is is busted their ass to get it. And and I'm no different. And I know a thousand other people that have busted their hump. And some are close. Some are, are getting there. Some are in the beginning. Some are you know transitioning. I mean, I'm 49 years old and I still don't know what I want to do yet. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't, you know, I love what I do right now and I'm loving what I'm doing. But you know, like I, I don't know. Maybe there's something else for me. I, I don't know yet. But you know, like this is this is just you, you got to have you know strong. These are eight strong principles that will get you through anything in life. You know, setting goals, being a good leader. You know, um, perspective is huge, okay. especially in this day and age. You know, there's a lot of people that look at stuff, and it's not that they're arguing because someone's right or wrong. It's because their perspective is different. And you have to understand that. Like, my perspective of how I see things is different than yours perspective because, you know, <clears throat> you're doing a, a, you know, a state job. Right. You know what I mean, and I, I'm, I'm an I'm, I'm a business owner, right? So I have different problems than you do. Yeah, you know what I mean, you, and you true. have different problems than I do. Yeah. You know what I mean. So our perspective on how sometimes we see things is different, <clears throat> but being a good leader means you're going to listen mm-hmm. and you're going to look for how we're more similar than we are different. Right. You know what I mean? Because hey, that, did you ever think about this? How about you talk to them? This you're going at it with a hammer and a nail. Maybe maybe we come over here and like approach them like this about this and see how that works instead of how you're doing it right now and they and then they look at you and they go well if you came to me like that this is how i would react too you know what i mean right. like but try going at it this way and then and, and from a different perspective and now maybe you should understand why he's saying or she's saying no versus you're getting no and now you're pissed off like you maybe you just not answering the you're not asking the question the right way to get what you want you know what I mean? And, that, and that's perspective. You know, you have to put it in the perspective that you're selling it to the person that you want to get at. Yes, and most people just, they sell it because I want it. Right, that's and, that, right. and that's and that doesn't get you what you want. That gets you normally an obstacle because now they're it's like you get frustrated <laughs> because you're not getting what you want because you don't understand the other person's perspective. You don't know why they're saying no. You don't understand why they're saying no. And you, you know, frankly, most times don't give a shit why they're saying that. You just want what you want. Well, if you sell it in a different way with a different perspective, you'll probably get what you want. You know, because that's really you know sales. That's what sales is. Yes, is it me to get you to say yes? And me to get you to dig in your pocket. Well, it's no different for a boss. It's no different for a supervisor. It's no different for workers. You know, you gotta you gotta sell it to them in a way that they understand, and and they they, they most times don't understand your perspective because, you know, you're looking at it twenty thousand feet and they're looking at it on the ground. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And they, they, we're we're looking at it two different ways. Yeah, cool. So, now where can folks go find a book? You go to Amazon.com and you just uh, all you have to do is search uh, Destination Success and when you type in Destination Success there'll be a little drop down it says in books click on that and I should come up on the right there okay. on the first page. Are you on any social media platforms? Can anybody sure, follow yeah, you? Absolutely. Instagram, Facebook. If you if you if you come uh, if you if you find me on uh, Facebook under Sherm Porter um, under my uh, <clears throat> under my about page there's a link about all my stuff. Okay. There my LinkedIn is there my. Uh, my uh, Instagram is there. How to get the book is there. If you want some coaching, there's a link there for that. There's all kinds of stuff there. You, okay. My whole story is you know, not whole story, but my little bio is sitting in there and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, there's a, just a little link that you click on and you can read everything about me. Okay, you know, now we're going to touch briefly because again, you are brother of the leaf. Yes, sir. Now, what, what, you have a go-to smoke, brother. What, what, what do you like to smoke? Man, I'm probably the worst person to talk about smokes. So like reading, smoking is the same. Like I love what I love, and I don't know what I love, but I love it. Um, you know, go to smoke. So, I don't have a go to smoke. So that's not yeah, I mean, just, you know, I, I, so I like mediums. Okay, there we I, go. I'm not a huge pepper uh, pepper fan. Like I like a medium kind of even body, all the way through. There's some things that every now and then get a little peppery on me, or maybe a little more body. But you know, I, I, I'm all over the place, man. I like I like the new placenias. They're they're decent. Uh, yeah, I like them. You know what I mean? Um, like everything else in my life, I, I kind of have a higher end. Uh, it's not on purpose. <laughs> I just start smoking. I'm like, I like this. Why is it twenty dollars? Because I like it. That's why Absolutely. it's twenty dollars. I like. But um, you know, when I'm out golfing, I, I I'll do a uh, tobacco because it's uh, okay. a lighter. You know, like it has a little bit of that chocolate coffee flavor. Okay. Um, in it, but it's a lighter smoke. It's it's a good smoke for the golf course because it stays lit. You don't have to be puffing on it all the time. To, Plus to it's stay durable. Lit. Yeah, it, it's a very durable smoke. So I, I you know, I'll do something else and then I'll go to that and I'll split up because I can do four or five cigars when I'm on a course Okay. if I do those because they're not as, 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 as medium or full okay. you know kind of thing um, 
but yeah, I mean, I started out with Monte Cristo. Monte Cristo is always going to be yeah, my smoke. Yeah, okay, but I, I like so Cahibas. Big worm, big perm. Yeah, you know, I like I like the Cahibas. Now, um, how about your pair? And what do you like to pair with your smoke? Uh, so I just got into Scotch, man. Really? I've been okay. a vodka. I've been a vodka drinker since day one. And okay. day one was a long time ago. <laughs> we were talking about day one. I was a fool a long time. 30 plus years, as a matter of fact. But um, I just started with the scotch, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a Glenlivet 12 Reserve. Okay. You know, with okay. my, yeah. my smoke, which is, a, which is a good one. And that's, you know, honestly, that's not that's not too high price. It's like, no. depending where you go, it's about 60, 70 bucks yeah. a bottle. You go it's over, affordable. Yeah, it's affordable, yeah. Um, but I tell you what I just found. We went to Puerto Rico looking for some properties over there, and uh, they had a uh, they had a um, uh, Bacardi makes this. Uh, it's a 16 year cast rum, mm, and I'm going to tell you, boy, it, it's <laughs> now that one's a little pricey, yeah, and you can only get it at the duty free right. station. But not, but it's, it's but when you're there, you should try it out. You know what I mean? Like it's a really nice smooth. You put one cube in there and you just kind of sip it. Cool man, that thing is great. So that's been my kind of new go-to. My buddy is his, his family still uh, lives in Puerto Rico. His his aunt lives there, and his mom has a house, and his uncle has a house, and his dad's still there. So he goes back quite a bit. So okay. he, so he grabs me a couple gotcha. bottles. So you, you gotta, yeah, I gotta, gotta connect. connect. <laughs> I gotta connect. You gotta connect. But, uh, All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, before we wrap it up, is there anything that I mean that you want to let the folks know? Maybe that we didn't discuss. Nah, man. Just uh, keep it smoky, man. Have a good time. You know, part of. The last chapter in this, and I and I want to make sure I read it right because, you know, I, I specifically uh, is you know is uh, is is surround yourself with greatness. You know, you always got to get around good people, man, and that, and that's really the importance of life. Make sure, you know, there's there's a lesson that I learned a long time ago is that you're hanging around five knuckleheads. Guess who the six knucklehead is? You. Yeah. You know, what I mean, <laughs> try to always fill yourself and 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 your surroundings around people. That, that are a little bit smarter mm-hmm. and maybe have a little more than you do somewhere you want to be not somewhere where you've been you don't want to be the smartest yeah, person in the room you don't want to always be the smartest person in the room you don't always want to be the person everybody goes to because they're bringing you down instead gotcha. of people bringing you up so try to try to fill your environment and your people around good, good great people you know so that you're always you know you're, you're always trying to be better you know and, and that's all you have to do is just try to be better one, one day at a time take one step Everything's one step, man. There's no it's large leaps. Step, you know, it. you jump off, you jump out of the plane without a parachute. I'm going to tell you, there's going to be problems. I've done it several times. It's going to be problems. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just just take one step and try to be better each day, one step at a time. Well, brother, I appreciate you being the guest here on Smoke World. Folks, go grab the book, Destination Success: Eight Mindsets Hacks for Every Entrepreneur. Again, you can follow me. On Instagram at smokeworld50. Send those emails in the smokeworld50 at gmail.com, folks. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of Smoke World in the books. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Go check my man's book out, Destination Success, and we will check you out on the other side. Peace.